Father, we had asked that you would just share your blessing with thousands of people, the, the blessing that you brought to us and the blessing of salvation, the people that got saved, including that woman in Home Depot that accepted you as John LaBelle was standing at the self-serve. Uh, Father, there, there's just so great of a testimony. When disasters come, you work. So we would pray that you would multiply the fruit, the efforts of those going forward. And we pray also that you'd speak to your word, or through your word, to us this morning. In Jesus' name, amen. Okay, so we left off with Jesus having his ministry decline. And from that point, I'm just looking here. So from that point, the Pharisees plotted how they might kill Jesus from verse 14 because they had just had it with them. Jesus wasn't playing along. He wasn't doing it the way that they wanted to. And they had this doubt and disdain and disbelief, dissatisfaction, and then the denunciation came. And Jesus knew their thoughts, and he starts talking to them about their thoughts. And then there was this argument that they gave that Jesus healed a demon-possessed man that was there, and they just ridiculed him and said, you are casting out these demons by the prince of demons. And because of that, Jesus knew their thoughts. They were thinking this. And he gave three reasons why this wouldn't be the case, and it actually establishes that Jesus is more powerful than Satan. He is the one that can bind the strong men. And he makes an accusation against them. He says, he who is not with me is against me, and he who does not gather with me scatters. So the point is, for them, the Jewish leaders, if they were not working with Jesus Christ, who is God, actively doing something to promote the kingdom, you're working, or they were working, against Jesus or God the Father. The same thing applies to us. If we are not actively pushing forward, actively studying to show ourselves approved, actively doing a work, we are actually working against the kingdom of God. And that's the lesson that's to be learned from that. Now, with this also, these Pharisees had their own beliefs. Of course, they had the Mishnah, all the oral traditions of the rabbis that had gone before, and they put them into the book, of all the things you could do and all the things you should not do in order not to break the law. I talked about that several weeks ago. And so they had a misunderstanding. And when it came to misunderstandings, they misunderstood the role of the Holy Spirit. The role of the Holy Spirit is to point to Jesus Christ. And if you reject the witness of the Holy Spirit, that is the unforgivable sin that will be uh, your last condemnation or your last witness against you. If you deny Jesus because you don't have enough information, you're just not kind of into it, that's one thing and it's bad. But if you deny the witness of the Holy Spirit about Jesus, that is fatal. People do not get to heaven that deny the witness of the Holy Spirit concerning Jesus and his Messiahship. This is called the blasphemy of the Holy Spirit or the unforgivable sin. And if you're, as I said last week, if you're in the church, chances are you haven't committed this sin. It's for the person who is outside, wants nothing to do with God. But it doesn't mean they still can't be reached if for some reason they repent. It's when the, the end of life comes up to that time, if they deny the witness of the Holy Spirit, that's the unforgivable sin that we have today. 
And it also says, but I tell you in verse 36, that men will have to give an account on the day of judgment for every careless word that they have spoken. For by your words, you will be acquitted, and by your words, you will be condemned. And I focus on this word, careless. It is argon in the Greek. It means being inactive, unemployed, lazy, useless, barren, idle, or slow. So just with their words, if they were any one of these adjectives there, they were condemned and they would have to give an account. And this is the danger that I started to talk about last week. What about us? What what if these leaders of the Jews, the Pharisees, they were given instruction to the people? For instance, if they had money that they were going to give to their parents, the Jews taught them it is better to give it to the temple than to give it to the parents which goes against scripture and they called it Corbin in scripture. It is better to give it to the parents. The person who puts their religion into practice takes care of their parents first and then everyone else second. It also says that about widows in the church. If a widow is over 60, she can't be put on the list of widows inside the new Testament church if she has family, but if she has no family and she has served well inside the church, then she's to become a ward of the church where the church assists that widow. So God set these things up to take place. But the Jews had it wrong on several accounts. Things you could do and things you couldn't do on the Sabbath. That's one of the reasons why they were condemning Jesus. And Jesus condemned them for it. Matter of fact, Jesus had several words for these Pharisees. I, I went through and started looking at everything Jesus or John the Baptist said or the names that he called them or they called them. One, serpents, snakes, wicked, adulterous, rotten, fools, hypocrites, blind guys, whitewashed sepulchers, murderers, children of the devil, extortionists, full of dead men's bones and all uncleanness. Now, those aren't compliments. If Jesus was telling these guys, these Pharisees, all of if they were calling them these names, that's a great offense. They had so blown it. They had so gone over the edge both in what they taught and what they practiced, that they were harmful to the nation of Israel. And they just didn't see it. Not only did they not see it, they didn't want to see it. They were more concerned with their power and position. That can be our problem as well. We're more concerned with our standing, with how we look to others, rather than doing God's will. Now I pointed out, for instance last week, that just what we believe and what we espouse as as truth, our truth can be completely wrong. Now, I use this verse, and you've heard me say it before. I use this verse. I gave a a devotion up at the uh, uh, Yuba City. This verse says, wine makes life merry and money is the answer for everything. It's in the book of Ecclesiastes. If you just read that, what would the conclusion be if you really didn't have understanding? Open up a vineyard and get as much money as you can. Because you'll be happy and money will solve all your problems. If you take it out of context. That's what the Jews were doing. They were taking things out of context. Well, what about the context of... Well, I don't want to use that one. I'll go back to my list. The context of marijuana. 
Now, I, I think I mentioned to you a little bit about marijuana. There's a book out there called Tell Your Children the Truth. I mentioned that to you guys, right? This new book has come out, and I heard about it on an interview on a news show. And it, it said, the marijuana back, back in my day when I was in high school, back in 1922, the marijuana that they had at that time was only 1% to 2% THC. The marijuana that's being produced in the dispensaries today is 25% THC. And the edibles you get, you can get up to 100% THC. If you take this THC, according to this author in this book, and this guy is not a Christian, and he's actually for marijuana use, but only for marijuana use in people over 25, because it permanently alters the brain of anyone who is an adolescent or young adult that smokes marijuana, especially for the THC content. And it, it, there are cases, and they're starting to keep track of the cases in the U.K. In the U.K., there are cases where people act out violently, and there are episodes of psychosis and schizophrenia, where they understand there is a link between high use of marijuana with the THC and also these problems of violence and mental illness. And it alters the brain irreparably. It does not heal itself. And therefore, people are going to be stuck in a damaged brain or have a damaged brain for the rest of their lives if they're regular users. I showed the youth over there these pictures that were from the Daily Mail looking at the brain from underneath. And it shows a normal brain, and it's like an ultrasound. It shows a normal brain from the underneath side. They showed also a brain that used uh, caffeine and tobacco, and it had holes in it. And it also showed an Alzheimer's brain, and it had holes in it. And then it showed a brain of a 16-year-old who had been using pot daily for two years. His brain looks just like the Alzheimer's brain. And it has physiological effects on the brain. And everybody who is out there is telling us, no, it's medical. This guy who's not a Christian who's writing this book says, marijuana is not medicinal. No matter what anybody tells you, it is not medicinal. And that's been the ruse. But as Christians, we're saying, well, you know, it helps me with this and it helps me with that. And it's usually not the uh, THC. It's the what, CBD. Yeah, I think that's the name of it. They say, well, that's the one that's really good. And this guy, he has stats. And part of the book is hard to get through. But he has stats. He goes, most marijuana doesn't have hardly any of that stuff in it. And people are taking it just to get high. And they think it's medicinal. And it's not medicinal. It is very harmful. But as Christians, we're also embracing this thing. You know, if, they, if this helps them, let them go ahead and take it. And they have no idea that it's actually leading to violence. And he has case after case after case. One guy was a Mormon. He never took marijuana at all he never drank caffeine he never did anything but he got a back injury so he started starting to take medicinal meds once he got those medicinal meds of course he couldn't get prescriptions anymore so he turned to marijuana he got an edible he ate an edible that night he killed his wife with a gun and he said there are hundreds of cases like that there was a case recently where a guy went and killed his girlfriend their parents uh five people total and so I did my own investigation. I read through the whole article. The only thing he had ever been arrested for was marijuana. And I'm thinking, well, how many other cases of these violent crimes that take place like that have that connection? Now, I'm not saying 
marijuana causes everybody to shoot everybody else. I'm not saying that. But what I'm saying is, I agree with this guy. When I started investigating it, I started agreeing with this guy that marijuana is a problem. It's being sold as a bill of goods. And even as a Christian community, we're saying that's okay. If we say that's okay, that directly contradicts God's word. If we're listening to the voice of God, we know that the book of Revelation says, those who practice witchcraft will not inherit the kingdom of God. What is witchcraft? The Greek word is pharmakia. Pharmakia is where we get the word drugs. Those who abuse drugs recreationally will not inherit the kingdom of God. 1 Corinthians 6, 9, do not be deceived. Those that live like this, and there's a list there. There's also a list in Galatians chapter 5 that says, don't do these things either. If you're doing those things, you won't inherit the kingdom of God. But 1 Corinthians 6, 9 says, do not be deceived. In other words, people are deceived into thinking, if I do this, it's okay, and I believe in God, and that's okay, and everything will fine, and I'll, I'll be fine, and I'll go to heaven. And God says, no. And when you look at that, you know, this is not the, the scripture. When we come to church, we want to be encouraged. I want to be encouraged. I am encouraged by the paradise and the Yuba city and how you guys have supported that. That's all good. But there's this other side that God says, don't do this and don't do that. And we don't like to hear that. The church today in a lot of sectors we're running after the miraculous. We're running after the feel-good, the seeker-sensitive church that has been around for more than a decade. Let's not talk about sin. Let's talk about how we can make each other feel better and how you can be in a success at work. If you just follow the Lord, you'll be blessed. You don't have to worry about that stuff. And so God is pointing out that the Pharisees were wrong in their understanding of Scripture. They changed things to be harmful to the people. They didn't want to change it. And they were obstinate in this. That was marijuana. Well, what about gender issues? Now, I'm talking about things that are real right now for us. I'm not talking about something that was 50 years ago. What about gender issues? How do we handle that? You know, I, I read about these preteens going through uh, gene, or not gene therapy, hormonal therapy to get a sex change. Pre-teens, I, I think there was one 11-year-old that was actually going to go through the surgery. And I thought to myself, we are messing up people. If, and as the church, we don't stand up and say, this is wrong. There is wrong and there is right. Or have you guys seen the video of the person, you can't tell if it's a young man or young woman, and the young man or young woman says, you know, I often get the question, am I a man or am I a woman? Or am I a guy or am I a girl? And he, then he says, did you just assume my gender? And it's like, what are you talking about? No, there's multiple genders. No, there's not. There's male and there's female. There is no other gender. But as a church, we want to be accommodating. We don't want to be offensive. We, we don't want to say things that might hurt somebody. I'm telling you, when we talk to individuals who are out there, just give them the truth. The truth is an offense to those who are perishing. The gospel is an offense. If you just open up and say, you know, we need to be saved. You want to hear the gospel? Yeah. What's the gospel? The good news. Well, what's the bad news? The bad news, everybody's going to hell. The good news is nobody has to. But we don't want to say everybody's going to hell. We like to say nobody has to. That's it. We don't tell them the bad news along with the good news. There is no good news without the bad news. 
And so our understanding, the things that we say, we need to speak the truth, speak it in love with all gentleness and respect. We don't have to be argumentative. We don't have to be combative. The servant of the Lord must not quarrel. He must not bicker back and forth, that type of thing. But we are the arbiters, or we are the ones, the ambassadors, that carry the truth to the people, and we are not supposed to water it down. Most people will reject you if you ever talk to them about Christ. The next chapter we're getting into is the parables of the kingdom. The first parable is the sower of the seed. Three out of four people reject the gospel. But God still tells us to speak the truth. We are to be his witnesses. We are not to shy back for that. So when it comes to gender issues, just not be obstinate in an abrasive way. Say, you know, it's biology. We are either male, male or female. And some will say, well, but there's genes. You know, sometimes there's both in there. Yeah, but that's like one one-thousandth of one-tenth of one percent. And with those, God has a lot of grace, and we'll let him figure that out. But for all of society, the gender issues, male and female, marijuana, it's wrong. Recreational reuse, it's wrong. Do something else. We don't want to live in a pragmatic society where it just works as a Christian to do this. And if you just do this, you know, it's kind of on the edge and it should be okay and God will forgive you. That's not what we're supposed to be carrying as a message. God has his standard. God is a just God. He's also a forgiving God. And I got to reflect back on, digress. Jesus will not break a bruised reed nor snuff out a smoldering wick. The person who was caught in a sin. For instance, the people who were in this house that we worked on, they had problems. I'm not, not going to go into all the problems that they had, but they had problems. And God determined we are all going to go there and we're going to show them the love of Christ. He didn't turn to them and say, well, you guys are done because all your problems are brought on yourself. No, it's the grace of God that comes in. So that's how we want to conduct ourselves out here as well. The abortion issue, I talked to you about that a little bit the governor of Virginia, and also the state of New York, what they just passed. I'm going to make this real short. They, Virginia wants to. New York just made it legal that if a baby survives abortion, you can kill it afterwards. That's what they're doing. If there is no respect for human life in the womb, anybody else becomes expendable. That's exactly where it will go. I remember 25, 30 years ago about the idea of abortion coming in. James Dobson. You guys remember James Dobson? He came on the radio and he says, you know, if we allow this to just go through and just gain steam, then euthanasia will be practiced in the nursing homes. I went to a nursing home. How long ago was Sunnyview, Betty? 20 years ago? We went, Sunnyview is Channel Road. It's up that way at the end of Channel Road. And it was a place where ambulatory elderly people would be. And this woman, she had a stroke. Patty and I went and visited her in a home, um, I don't know what they call it, a recovery place or a, a therapy place, whatever it's called, I forget. After you have surgery, you go there sometimes. They had her rehab. Thank you. Went to a rehab place. They had her laid on a bed. This is 20, 25 years ago. And you could see the, the crust around her lips. She wasn't able to communicate. They had her just in the bed. And I went and asked the nurse. I said, 
can you at least give her some ice chips or something to help her? And they said, no, she's code C. And I said, what's code C? No water, no food. They just starve them, and they have no water. And I said, really? You're not going to make her more comfortable? Because you could tell she was uncomfortable. She couldn't communicate, but she was definitely uncomfortable. They said, no, Coatsy, you can't change anything like that. I wanted to go and get my own ice chips and go in there and, you know, just help her out a little bit. But that's what they were doing 20, 25 years ago. And, And it's going to turn into, if you're not productive, if you're not doing what you're supposed to do, you're expendable. Which country was it that they were successful in getting rid of Down syndrome? You know how they did it? Aborting all the Down syndrome babies. And they thought this was a good thing. It's not a good thing. And so see, as the Christian that is out there in the world, the disciple of Jesus, we have to stand up for truth. And remember all the words that Jesus called the Pharisees? We don't have to do that. We don't have to go out and go, you whitewashed sepulcher, you're wicked, you pagan, you know, just rail on these people. Now, we'll leave that to the judge. We just go give the good news as a result of the bad news. Be his witness. Be willing to do it in any circumstance. It's a study to show yourself approve a workman who does not need to be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth, and, and so that we can give a reason for the hope that lies within that's our task. That's part of being a, the disciple. And going out to the disasters and helping people who can't help themselves. God wants us to be just like his son Jesus, who ministered without restraint to all who would come to him. And when it comes to issues of politics or morality, or how about just remaining silent? I'm not going to enter the fray. I'm not going to say anything. You know, the places we go to work, I, I pray for opportunities. When I'm out there in the field, if I know that somebody is heading in the direction of talking about God, I immediately stop them. I say, hey, do you go to church? I'll say something like that. Where do you fellowship? When did you become a Christian? Oh, you're not a Christian. Where we were just at, there are Sikhs up there. Sikh temples. There's Sikhs from India everywhere. Sikh is an offshoot of Hinduism. There's also the Punjabis. I went by a Punjabi automotive uh, that was up there. But Punjabis are Christians who are from India that they actually fed us one night at the church. And, you know, it was great. It was wonderful. But be willing to talk to anybody that's there. As I told you, Sasha, who is in Home Depot, John LaBelle is sitting there with the two vanities for the bathroom. And we're, I'm running off with Brian and we're getting some other faucets and stuff. He turns to her. She's right at those four um, cash registers or whatever they are that receive your money. And he starts witnessing to her. And I, not, it was like a shotgun gospel. Gave the gospel. She goes, I'd never heard it like that before. And he goes, well, would you like to pray to receive Christ? She goes, yes, I would. In Home Depot, right there. She gets saved. We're just going, wow, Lord, you wanted her saved. She is working. And then her mom comes over. This is my daughter. What are you doing talking to her, you know, type thing. But we're supposed to be ready to go out and share the truth and not shrink back. If you become a Christian, that means you put your hands to the plow. If you become a disciple and you're plowing, and uh, Jesus said, if you put your hand to the plow, Don't look back. Anyone who looks back is not fit for the kingdom. That means you just keep on going straight ahead. You keep your eye on the prize. The prize of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. 
That's what we're supposed to do. Forgetting what is in the past. How many in here have a sinful past? We all do, right? And can that be debilitating? It can. Don't even focus on that. You can't change the past. You just go forward in the future. And you say, God, I'm going to do this for you. Because you so loved us. John LaBelle and I were talking about the family that was in that mobile home there. He goes, you know, that first night when that thing fell down, and I just kind of lost heart, but then I had to, okay, Lord, what do you want to do? John LaBelle comes up to me, he goes, you know, I bet they're sitting in there thinking they're not going to show up tomorrow or the next day. And we did, and we had that crew. And because of that, and it's not any one person, because of that, it was a witness. Because of that, their hearts were softened. And as we're there, marijuana is lighting up on the inside. I knew I smelled it in there, and they, they um, confirmed that to me. But, you know, they're, they're just not living the way they're supposed to, and God still wants them. God loves them. And that's our task, is to go out and give the gospel, do it with all our heart, mind, soul, and strength, just like a stapler on the th- finger. That's what we're supposed to be doing. May God give you the grace to go out and reach the people that need the gospel. May you not look at your outward circumstances and say, I can't do this because I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. May you not fear the enemy who might come along and actually cause you harm like with staff or an injury or something like that or the fiberglass that gets in the face. There's things that we can't avoid and there's things that we can't avoid. But it's all setting us up for the kingdom that lies ahead and bringing in as many people with us as we can. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you for the testimony that has been left behind by so many people that went up to Yuba City. We pray that you would multiply the efforts there, that you would put an urgency in the heart of the people of different churches to go up and do the construction and be ministers to those who have suffered tremendous loss. And as in all cases, Lord, whenever you've called us to a disaster, there's always one or two families that you have us focus on. We pray that those families that we have ministered to in the past would be continuing with you and this new family. I pray that you would build them up in the most holy faith, that they would enter into the kingdom when everything is said and done here with a grateful heart that you reach out to them as we all should, Lord. We turn to you, we give you thanks, and we give you praise for who you are and what you've done. In Jesus' name, everyone said, amen.